Hey guys, so this is um, this is our second part with Lester Ho. I've been uh, it's about take number six because I'm doing the intros in front of my girlfriend, and for some reason she's making me nervous. But um, anyway, uh, this show is with Lester Ho, part two. Lester Ho studied biomechanics at university, and he's doing a PhD on the snatch. He's also got a very very uh, famous blog that uh, called the Training Geek. He also writes for Breaking Muscle. He runs his own gym, Southeast Strength, uh, which is a weightlifting and powerlifting gym. He has also done international seminars with Diane Fu all through the States, does a lot through Australia. And he's a really, really good, um, really good guy and a really good coach and a really good uh, wealth of, wealth of uh, knowledge if you are um, a weightlifter or a strength and conditioning kind of guy. So part two of our show with Lester. I hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get into the show, we are sponsored by Audible. Audible is the world's biggest audiobook warehouse with over 250,000 titles and it is great. I am an Audible user. I listen to Audible um, quite regularly, try and get a book in a week. So whenever I'm driving, whenever I'm doing a little bit of, uh, a little bit of work with my dad, what to do from time to time, whenever I am sitting on the couch and I'm bored, whether I'm cooking... I'll chuck on Audible and I'll be just taking in information. I'm kind of addicted to learning um, or uh, yeah, just pretty much since I watched Interstellar last year, it rekindled my, uh, my, yeah, my quest for knowledge and the best way to get knowledge is to read books. If you don't have a whole bunch of time in your life like me to sit down and actually read a book, put it in your hands and flick through the pages, then Audible's the way to go. Um, so if you want a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook, then head to www.audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio and uh, those guys will sort you out. We are also brought to you by Adventure Fit Travel. So Adventure Fit Travel is a travel company for an adventure travel company for the fitness community and we are going to Mount Everest this year. We're going September 20th to the 4th of October. And it's going to be great. If you guys have Everest Base Camp on your bucket list, then there's no better time to head over there and support the, uh, support the country of Nepal. As I said in the last show, um, Nepal is still somewhat reeling after the earthquakes. Uh, last year, we did, a, we did a trip in March, which I led. Um, and I left Nepal exactly two weeks, I think, before the earthquake hit. And we were scheduled to go back in November um, I, I checked in with everyone over there. Everyone was, was you know, healthy and safe. It was all right. Um, they, were, they were distraught, but the, their families were okay. Everything was good. But I, I kept it another, I left it another couple of, week, uh, couple of months and then I spoke to my guys over there and I wanted to know whether we were actually going to run the trip, whether we should, whether they thought it was the right thing to do. And they pleaded with me that we have to, we have to keep making these trips happen because their, their whole economy is run on, uh, on tourism. So we went back in November and it was amazing. It was just, just such a beautiful part of the world and they're amazing people. And they're still kind of stuck in that, um, stuck in that uh, they're still, you know, they're still recovering from the earthquake. So get over there and support them, support Adventure Travel. If you want any information, www.adventurefittravel.com. And uh, yeah, here's the show. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. And that's it. 
Guys, so uh, going to continue on with Lester. Tommy's got an appointment today, so it's just one-on-one now for me and uh, me and Lester. So, um, so Lester, like, let's talk about actual programming and coaching specifics. Like, what are your general training principles that you would say? Like, uh, you, yeah, do you have any training principles that you kind of stand by with your programming and how uh, you do things? Yes. So, principles, your basic you know, principles of uh, periodization, progressive overload. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, I mean, you train under Ivan and you've seen a bit of Rob's programming mm-hmm. as well. So, you know that they follow slightly more of a, uh, you know, they, they were influenced by the Soviet style of training. You know, mm-hmm. Rob, Rob has these like manuals of Russian texts, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of weightlifting and what they do in terms of like, a yearly periodization program for for weightlifters. Um, I'm very influenced by that as well. You yep. know, knowing that you know there's a specific uh, template that you can follow for you to achieve this goal. That's mm-hmm. that's the purpose of periodization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I follow a more. Uh, I try to make it as organic as possible with what I learn. You know, so I've I've spoken to different different coaches from different sports, how they actually treat like using using different methods of uh, implementing a stimulus, you know, and then I put that into play as well. I see whether that works for an individual and try that out, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, more importantly, I test out some of, some of these programming ideas that I have and see how it actually feels on the human body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though I'm not, I'm not, I cannot say that for everyone, but at least I know what to look up for and yeah. how to work around that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so if you've got a year long, if you've got a, a general athlete who's going to compete, maybe let's say four or five times throughout the year. Yep. Would that be uh, a general for for more six mm. every two months? Less. I think every two months would be actually quite a bit. I think yeah. when I was compet- uh, competing, Rob got me competing almost every every two months or maybe even sometimes every six weeks. Okay. You know, so, so, um, and you got to look at the comms, you know, what are yeah. the important comms. And, and which level that. you're at and stuff. But let's yeah. say, for example, you've got an athlete and they're doing five or six competitions for the year. Yeah. I, I don't know. How, how does your, how many waves of periodization, uh, how many, how many cycles will you go through throughout the year? And will it just depend on, okay, let's say this athlete by that math, has a comp every two months. Yep. Is it just uh, a six-week uh, a six week fluctuating up and down and then you, you deloads and then that's your comp? Or how do you actually, what does a 12-month pr- um, periodization Mission. program look like? Okay, so within that six comps, right, I'll actually look at what's your main your your main comp. So like let's say if that's nationals or states, yep. so then I'll put that down as, all right, that's your main comp that you need to work for. Mm-hmm. Uh, build that up with... Uh, uh, off-season, pre-season kind of phase 
Yeah, uh, a few of the comps would fall within th- that f- those phases probably, but you know we'll take it like training comps. You've probably done that where you yep. train through it and you just go and compete as a Get like a one hour one hour and day kind of thing. Yep. You know, um, so I tend to try to. I usually try to get a lot of my guys to allow them to taper down only because, you know, they are firstly beginners and they are just regular athletes, you know. They, yeah. you know, they're not like full-time athletes where they get the chance to go for a massage, they get yep. a chance to, you know, um, eat properly, train properly, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so that taper week allows them to kind of allow their body to rest and be ready for a comp as well. Yeah. You know, and it sets their mindset up for the competition rather than being able to go to that point of that competition and go, oh, I'm actually training. I got myself smashed the week before a comp and I may not be able to do as well as I want to for that comp. Yep. I think the important thing is to instill confidence for every competition for a beginner in weightlifting. For sure. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you were saying about your mate, six out of six for the lifts. Yeah, you know, there's I nothing think better. That's, that's, that's the most important thing that a, uh, someone who just got into the competition scene needs to think about. You know, it's not about, oh, I'm able to hit my PBs or anything like that. You work your way up to it. Yeah. You know, you work your way up to hitting one kilo more each time you open. Mm-hmm. You know, then you're going to see that, oh, maybe six comps down the road, I'm already opening six kilos more than what I Yeah, did. and I've had, two, I've had two good days where I've hit six from six and I've ended up with... Yeah. Yeah. So that's a very good point that you raised about confidence. And this is... Like, we've had a lot of weightlifters on the podcast, obviously, because I'm a weightlifter. We have good access to good coaches and athletes. One of the things that I like to ask the most is, how often do you max in training? Yep. Um, because... For example, and I've spoken about this before, I went through a period there where, um, so Ivan with me was only, we would only max out the week before the competition, yep. uh, the heavy week before, sorry. And then even then, there was a period there where I would hit a PB in competition, uh, on the platform, sorry. Yep. Uh, so let me, let, me, let me say that again. I would hit a PB in training mm-hmm. and Ivan would say, let's leave it for the platform. So I'd say, say I'm, I'm 106 kilo snatch. I'd hit 107 in training, looked pretty good. But Ivan would say, let's leave it. Let's, let's put it all out there on the platform, which for an athlete is very frustrating because you're like, oh, I know I can hit three kilos more and then let me you know, have a go on the platform. This is what goes through an athlete's mind. But in the, at the same time, I would step foot on the platform every single time. There was a period where I, I just, in my head, I'm, there's no way I'm going to miss this lift yep. because I'd missed, there's a period for four or five months, I missed maybe two snatches and yep. three clean and jerks. And... When I'd miss a lift, I'd be surprised. I'd be like, what the fuck? You know, like, and you understand, you know, you have an idea of what you did wrong, but you're genuinely in shock. And that confidence is so important, I think. But then it goes, flies in the face of a lot of other coaches who will max out consistently. So people get a feeling of that heavy weight more consistently. And, and you know, I just want to know your theory, like how often do Lester Ho's athletes um, uh, max, max out? out? Uh, not always. So I, you remember, you got to remember, I come from being very influenced by how Rob raw programs because I was under him and you know I took a little bit of debt with me and I wouldn't say that I'm actually using his methods but uh, I do change it up a little bit um, but the I think maxing out is definitely important in instilling confidence you know uh, there are days where I tell them alright this week's meant to be a heavy week you mm-hmm. know we we may max out we may not max out yep. you know if you're not moving well there's no point maxing out yeah, you know, if you're moving well, yes, I'll push, I'll push you to to the point where I feel like, all right, 
that's that's really your max and we'll leave it as that. Yep. You know, because um having experience with playing around with the Bulgarian system, for example, mm-hmm. maxing out all the time doesn't help as well. You yeah. know, I mean, it actually, it's like a double-edged sword. You know, you get the confidence, but at the same time, you end up going like, oh man, if you start missing lifts, you actually lose that confidence. Yep. You know, you if you end up, uh, not even hitting a minimal amount or minimal weight, you also start losing that confidence. You know, so so I I generally feel like being able to to max out always really depends on how ready the athlete is. Is yeah, you know, and the Bulgarian system was probably a system that was used by athletes that were. Mm, enhanced yeah enhanced and able to that's that's my point so like you know i did it i did it without any form of help yeah right and the most i lasted was four to six weeks yeah and you're firstly because you're always lifting heavy from a theoretical background in terms of sports science you don't have that velocity in your movement yeah you know so you slow down a lot uh saying that as well you once you start slowing down and because you know we we don't have that kind of consistency in regards to our technique where you know we are always hitting the same lift over and over and over and over again you know then you end up losing your technique Mm. you end up not being able to hold that consistency in your technique and that's where everything falls to shit your body starts to have to compensate your shoulders start to you know oh, I have to take more strain in my shoulders and yeah. you know, that's how you get injured. Yeah. yeah, again, and again, going back to the Bulgarians, I suppose, these are guys, and just and just professional yep. um, full-time athletes, these are guys that have put in uh, one million snatches yep. over a 20-year career. Yep. One million clean and jerks compared to the guys that have come in um, two years out and uh, two years in and they've only maxed out 10 times in their life. You know, this is the, the whole CrossFit ethos of, uh, of maxing out and hitting P- PBs. Um, I used to have a real problem with, oh, I used to have a real problem with that and, and it carried over to a lot of the, because so many CrossFitters now are weightlifting and I think the idea of, of just moving so fast and so many reps and, and the idea of maxing out so much in that environment just doesn't transfer well to taking weightlifting seriously. And I think it's a, do you have a problem with um, mindset of some of the guys that are coming over because a lot of your athletes you said are CrossFitters? Yep. Uh, not really, actually. Uh, I think I, I think for them, it's also that point where they go, oh, if I don't hit, I've never, if I don't hit that 120 kilo snatch, for example, you know, uh, or for a long time, I wouldn't feel confident. And then I go to them and I said, why are you hitting on a regular basis when even though you're feeling like shit? Mm. You know, your, your training volume's up in terms of your metcons or your conditioning, but you're still able to hit that minimum weight, you know that your body's still good. Yeah. You're still able to lift well. Yeah. You know? But if you're not, then then we have to think about how are we gonna improve that minimum. All right. Um you know, you, you just have to be you you just have to be able to tell them that, you know, if you're hitting that minimal amount that you need, right, it doesn't matter whether you max out or not. You know, you can leave it for the day of the competition, you can leave it for the day of the event. Or even if you want to have a period of time where, all right, let's just focus on your lifting now and try to push that envelope a little bit, mm-hmm. then that's where you know you're going to be able to hit it. Yeah, you know? for sure. 
So with um with your programming, I mean that's we've gone over your, you know, maxing and how you periodize and how you um, and and a lot of stuff to do with the programming. What are the um like? Do you prescribe accessory stuff to your group as a whole? Do you um do you recommend um a basic structure of accessory exercises? Do you specify for each athlete? And what I'm really looking for here is for for people out there that are. Um, trying to get more sessions in, trying to get more like you, you're a pretty well-studied man in the sport of weightlifting. What are the accessory exercises that you go to most for people? Uh, I think the important bit is uh, upper back exercises and middle back exercises. Mm-hmm. So that's the number one thing because of posture. Yep. So like if we are sitting down on this wonderful couch, you know, I slouch a it's lot. It's a nice couch. Yeah, it's it? a nice couch, man. <laughs> yeah, so if you're sitting down like that all the time uh, or you're sitting in a chair, you basically form, your body starts to form the shape of the chair. Mm-hmm. So all these accessory exercises allow you to kind of get back that posture a little bit. Uh, and it's just bulking up. Yeah. You know, like you don't have to be putting on muscle, but your muscle needs to be matured and resilient. Yeah. You know, so like bodybuilding exercises, like, you know, dumbbell shoulder presses, you know, you see some of the guys at Phoenix doing lat pull downs, mm-hmm. things like that. All the you type know. of rows. Yeah, rows or something like that. Um, I recently have put a lot of emphasis on unilateral movements mm-hmm. because, you know. Upper body unilateral movements? Uh, upper body and lower body. Okay. You know, so. If you think about it, uh, the opposite shoulder works with the opposite hip, mm-hmm. right? So it, you, if you work one, then you've got to work the other. And because if you look at it from ground up, if your legs are not evenly d- built, then it's going to affect something in your trunk, going to affect mm-hmm. something in your shoulder. You know, then you're going to see a lot of those rotational issues happen. Okay. You know, uh, the other important bit is actually your trunk, you know, core exercise. Mm-hmm. You think that, oh, I'm squatting a lot, I'm doing a lot of pulls, you know, I'm doing a lot of these snatches where I'm bracing all the time. If you don't do enough work to just get your trunk strong or thick, right, then you, there's no point doing all these movements. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, if your trunk's not firing, your legs don't get to be effective. Yep. You know, so you're not using 100%. You have to transfer that power 100% exactly. across the way. Exactly. So yeah. so that's my that's my... That's my general idea of having to do accessory work. Yes, I do have a specific template for everyone mm-hmm. that everyone should follow, yep. but I adjust it accordingly to what I see that individual requires. Yeah. So it, even though I program for like 20 people, you know, but they may have a general template that they follow, but there are a few pieces that might be different. And I go like, oh, today you might actually, instead of doing this role, do something different, do a one arm dumbbell rule, for example, instead of a yeah. barbell rule. Yeah, know? and a certain athlete might need a certain certain accessory exercise exactly. more than than another athlete. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That's very very Chinese weightlifting style, I yes. suppose, with lots of lots of bodybuilding and and uh, and so forth. Um, what do you think for for the athletes? So again, I think this is going to be a really good resource. This this podcast itself for probably like coaches out there because there's so many coaches that will yes. probably listen to the show. Uh, coach athletes, whether it's CrossFit or weightlifting, whatever. Um, for them, just the the average everyday weight that comes in the gym, what are the things that are overlooked the most? I mean, there's, and I'm talking mobility, you know, you yep. want to put in some time and effort in mobility, nutrition, accessory stuff. Um, what else have we got there? But th- they're the three big ones that, yep. that come to my mind. Like, what do you think's the, the biggest missing element that people aren't doing that you find in your gym to better themselves? Body shape. Body so, shape. So understanding your body type. 
Okay. You know, uh, I explain to my guys like the way I will actually teach someone in a seminar, you know, and that's that's actually very beneficial for them. They see like, oh, why, why are you allowing him to do that when you're not allowing me to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, and I said, because his body is built to do that. Yeah. Whereas your body is probably built to do something else. Yep. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I talked about like I talk about levers all the time and I say alright you are basically built this way you know if you have a long torso then because that's your longest lever you need to make it the strongest mm-hmm. so I go you know you have this long torso this fella doesn't have that long torso so for you you need to do a lot more like trunk work or your technique needs to be like that you need to lift like that Mm-hmm. You know, whereas this guy, he may need to do a lot more hamstring posterior chain work so that he can actually use his hips. Yeah. You know, so so I get them to understand their lifting based on that. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't recognize that. They go like, oh, uh, the Chinese are doing this, you know, should I be doing this? And I said, do you look like a Chinese weightlifter? Do you look like a Chinese weightlifter? Yeah. You know, are you lifting like a Chinese weightlifter so that you can do this accessory exercise? Mm-hmm. If you're not, then what's the point of doing that? that movement you know they see drills that people put up and they go like oh i need to do drills i need to do this drill you know i said you know are you sure it's because of this drill that you need to be you you need to be doing this you know is it because you know you're not getting access to your legs from the way you dip in your jerk Mm -hmm. that you need to try to do a drill for a split jerk no maybe not you know they're changing your jerk up you know so i i try to be a bit more specific in terms of the details that i give them it's yeah. interesting. It's uh, because obviously biomechanics. When I think of biomechanics, I think of setup position, where you should be in this part of the lift, so on and so forth. I've never really thought about biomechanically focusing more on one area. Yep. Obviously, like the long torso. The long torso, you're more over the bar, so you have to have a stronger position to hold. Yes. Stronger, stronger um, t- trunk to hold that position well yep. through the pool. Right. Okay. I uh, similarly, some of the Chinese lifters or some of the Korean lifters, you can see they set up a bit more upright. Yep. So that they don't put that stress on the back. So they can actually hold the position a little bit better. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it boils down to then look at areas like mobility. Do you have the mobility in the hips to actually sit upright? Yep. If you don't, then staying over, then this boils down to, oh, I need a stronger trunk to hold that position. Mm-hmm. You know. So basically what you're saying is um, biggest missing link in, uh, in people out there is their coach's ability to assess biomechanics. Yes. In, in, in a way, is yes. what, what you're saying. Uh, I mean, it's quite a bold statement, but I mean, that's what I, I feel yeah. it is. And, you know, it boils back to, I told you, I see everything in lines and angles. Yeah. So I strip like your whole body down to just the skeleton and what it's capable of doing first. Mm-hmm. Then I add the other structures to it. So like, oh, just a skeleton, technically you should move like that, but because your hips are, your joint capsule and your hip is tight, then you end up being in this shape. Yeah, so we're going to work with this shape. Yeah, we work with this shape and all that. So you slowly add the layers on and that's how you actually, you know, be able to tailor it to that individual specifically. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, Myself as a coach, I never fully understood as much of biomechanics of a lifter as what I should. I mean, it's it's such a rabbit hole to go down and when you start talking about... um, Leverages and where the fulcrum, uh, the, the fulcrum sits, and so on and so forth. A lot of people, it goes straight over the head. But for some, uh, I mean, it's it's a very big um, part of their weightlifting, I suppose. If they're set up, that doesn't look like the masses, you know. Yep. If, they're, they're, if their femurs are superhumanly long with a short torso, you know, it's obviously going to affect them a lot. Yep. Um, 
Okay, so what about um, what about when we're talking about um, keeping a mindset of a of an athlete? So um, you've got an athlete who's um, failed on a lift and they're failed on their first two snatches and they're going for their third snatch. Yep. What do you do in the in the warm up area to what do you do with your athlete? What are you saying to them? How does it look from a coach's aspect, um, mindset-wise, out the back I mean, in, the, in the weight room? I mean, I'm still new to this as a coach, so it's all very fresh to me and the experience is still very novel to me as well. Yep. You know, uh, But I did have that very specific experience in the last comp. I think you, you competed in the last comp as well. I know well. what experience you're talking about. Yeah, so... A uh, young girl from yeah, Sound Strength? Yeah, yeah, so one of my girls, she she missed her first two snatches and, you know, it basically, she... I actually know the girl well too. She oh. was at, when I was a coach at CrossFit. Oh, nice. The CrossFit she worked yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, she's a really good chick. Yeah, yeah. She, she basically, <laughs> she's the kind of athlete that she doesn't need to actually PB or hit a heavy lift in training. And you know she's actually gonna perform on the platform. Yeah. That was exactly the, the, the thing that we had going into that competition. You know, yep. we I think we started her too light. Mm-hmm. She missed her first two because they just went way over. It's mm-hmm. like the kind of feeling where you just go, oh shoot! Well, how did I miss that? Yeah. You know? uh, and then the we're shock like, of I've missed it over the back. How have I done that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then we said, all right, last chance. We'll bump it up. You know, and um, basically what I did was I tried to get back her confidence yep. by getting her to do the lifts again. So I re got her to warm up all over again because we had a bit of time. And I said, yeah. all right, let's drop it down. Let's do this. Uh, let's work up back to the weights that you missed. Mm-hmm. Hit that twice in the warm up area. And Went, she did that? Yeah, she did that. Yep. Went out, hit the 50. She actually bombed because of a technical error outside, not really because of the lift. Yeah. So she dropped the bar too early. Oh, yeah. Yes. I remember that. I yes. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So she dropped the bar too early before the down <laughs> signal. And then, but she got the lift perfectly. Yes, I do know? remember so, that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a bummer. And it's also partly my fault that, or my responsibility for making sure that she needs to be a bit more composed yeah. as, a, as a lifter on the platform. Uh, and, you know, I think it's all a learning curve for us, not only for her, but for myself as a coach. And this also goes back to like how you actually experience the same emotions as your athlete, you know, mm. like you, the excitement of you getting the lift, but then you need to be able to go like, oh, I, I'm still uh, I'm still in competition, and they'll I can- go off your off your um, energy levels and your emotions as much as their own. Yes, I think. Yes, that did that did throw a spanner in the works, and I was like, oh, that's my first bob out as a coach, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's an experience that I'm very very keen to learn from, uh, and you know it allows me to have a better understanding of her as an athlete as well. Like we've been working together for almost a year over and yep. you know, she now I know her even better because yeah. of that, you know, yeah, for sure. And then the next time we step on the platform, you know, it'd be a totally different experience and you know, it, 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 it is a, I think it's a good thing. You yeah, know, I always take the positive out of that. Yeah, if, if every uh, every negative can obviously turn oh, into yes. an educational experience that, yes. is ter- that can turn it into a positive. Exactly, uh, I suppose. So, um, so what about when you're um, actual actually again in the warm up area on game day for your athletes? So obviously we've all heard the term, or most of us have probably heard the term for weightlifters or crossfitters of um, if you're in competition to start with something you know you can hit. Yep. Second lift, something that you think you can hit. Third lift, who knows? Let's have a crack at it yep. in, a, in an ideal situation. Yep. So 
Um, how does that reflect on like on game day? Do you like you say you have a you have a system where the openers will always bump up by one each competition if yes. it was successful, or and then like what are the does how much does what's going on in the back in the platform have to do with it? What yep. does it have to do with um, obviously, do you take little jumps if you want to buy your athletes some more time? Yep. I mean, talk a little bit about the things the whole, that you go through. Yep. So for me, it's it actually starts the week before. So like on the last week when you taper down, that very last heavy session, they should be hitting their openers. And if they can hit it three times, like three singles, yep. you know, they, they, sh- they should be sweet for it because yep. they've gone through a whole heavy training period be able to hit their openers still and, you know, they have that confidence for it. For sure. You know, uh, then from there, you know, on the game, on the day itself of the competition, I'll actually go, all right, let's see how you go. This is what I have for you in terms of opening. You know, if you feel like that's too light, maybe we'll bump it up a little bit. But if you feel nervous or not confident with it, we'll keep it there. But you know that you've hit that yep. in competition or in training yep. easily. Consistently. Yeah. So, so, uh, I also look at it as how they are actually moving or how what their mindset is like. You never know what happens through that one week, you know. Yeah. Things can happen within their personal life that affects them easily. Yeah. You know. And that's where White you cutting. Yeah. And then that's where you start to you start to, you know, um handle the emotional side of it a little bit. Go like, All right, you don't look like yourself today, you're not moving like yourself today. We might have to drop it down or you actually look really great today. Mm-hmm. Let's try to bump it up. Let's I know you can hit this weight, you know, you've done it before in training. Let's hit this weight for your opener and yep. then move from there, you know. Um, that being said, that's for someone who has, like, who is just doing the competition for the competition. But if it's someone that is trying to qualify for states or someone who's yeah. qualified for nationals or yeah. trying to go for a medal. Or they're trying to win, win yes. and they've got a jolt, jolt for position. Obviously, yes. that's, then that's, that's a where, whole other, That's where we story. play a bit of the strategy game and go yeah. like, all right, we need you to be able to... I, I always believe that your first jump should be more than your second jump. Yes, for sure. So if you're jumping... Mentally, I think yes. it makes it it's a lot better for the, for the athlete yes. to not have to do a it, Hail Mary at the end. No, but um, in terms of motor control as well, you know, like yeah. if, you're, if you're warming up in five kilo increments all the way to your openers and then suddenly your next jump is like seven kilos. I can't stand it. Yeah, I and you go like... It. you go like oh shoot, that's two kilos heavier and you know, things get marked throws, up. Throws you off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so if you are, unless you are very used to jumping that much, but because it's at the top percentage, it's not really ideal. No. You know, your body can't recognize that. You want to go, you want to go, say for, for me, for example, I'll always go my opener and then it'll most likely be a five kilo jump to my second lift. Yep. And then, then if my second lift was amazing, maybe a four or five kilo jump, yep. but most likely it'll be a three, three kilo, kilo jump. jump. And, I, yep. and what will go through my mind at that point is, hit my first one, yep, that was good. Hit my second one, yes, I'm stoked. That was great. That was a five kilo jump. And then when I only put three more kilos on the bar, which might be an eight kilo PB, you know, my, exactly. what, could be an eight, um, So, but the, the mindset for me is, oh, the last jump was five kilos. That was, that was felt heavy of a jump. I made it. This is only three kilos more. And mentally, the fact that you're doing less of a jump is like refreshing. Yep. It doesn't feel like... And your body, your body doesn't move too differently as well. Yeah. You know, because now let's, let's talk about percentages, all right? So if, if the first one was 100%, second one is 105%, last one, if you jump 
to one ten percent, that's a ten percent jump, and that's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of a difference, you know, in terms of sure. your movement. Think about it: if you in training, you're doing eighty percent compared to ninety percent. That's also a very different weight yeah. that you're hitting, and the way you move would be different as well. Mm. So I I always try to keep it smaller in terms of the jumps, all right. Particularly for the ladies because their numbers are lower, mm. you know, and for the guys like yourself, you said five kilos, and then after that, whatever comes comes. Yeah. You know, uh, there are times where I even go for the guys, sometimes four kilos, uh, all right, and then after that, an even jump, you know, because that way they know that, oh, that's going to feel, that's going to feel more manageable. Yeah. Rather than too big a jump, unless the circumstances require Yeah, it. yeah. It's, it doesn't feel like more of, a, of an increase. Yes. Because mentally for me, if I, for some reason, have to go four kilos, I go four kilos in the first jump, second jump, for some reason, I've got to go six kilos, Mentally, I'm not in a good position. Yes, I'd be I'd be very surprised if I'm going to make that lift. And that's when, obviously, like you say, you probably only reserve those lifts for qualifying for something. Yes, bumping yourself up in a onto, in the podium of something. Yes. And then there's that added, you know, balls to the wall, all out, yep. uh, emotion and you know stuff that'll, that'll help you on the on the platform. But otherwise, it's probably. I mean, do you see at the end of the day, what's the purpose of your what's the purpose of your competition? Is it yeah. to actually, you know? gain the experience as a as a competitor or is it for you to actually have a specific goal of qualifying for something yeah. you know if that's that's the goal of your competition then then you will be you will be trying to push yourself to that the envelope of that mental game mm. and say all right i've never jumped 7 kilos before screw it i'm going to do it because i need it yeah. you know yeah. then you know that you've taken the athlete to uh, another level of being an athlete Mm-hmm. You know, it's no longer just, oh, I'm just competing. Yeah, I'm competing for, for a reason. Yeah. You know? That's interesting. Well, um, I think we might slowly start to wind it up, Lester. Yes. I'll let you uh, let you get out of here. Before um, before we move on to some questions towards the end, I will ask, did you see the IWF announcement <laughs> yes. today? Oh, man. Oh, it's like, you know, everyone's fairy tale just got, just got, Crushed. Trampled, trampled upon, and you know you go like. So, for the people that don't know what we're list, uh, what we're talking about, so the IWF International Weightlifting Federation, there'd been rumours and speculation, and some some results came through that had um, that had said that there'd been some Olympic um, medalists and gold medal winners that had tested positive to performance enhancing drugs, and the official announcement came out today, and that is that Ilya. Ilya Ilan, or Ilya Ilan, sorry. Uh, the, uh, what a lot of people would say is the world's greatest weightlifter. Never been beaten in international competition at any weight class. Uh, 105, um, 90, 94, uh, 85. He was young. He won the world championship yep. at 85. I think he's done 77 as well, but I don't think that was for world championships though. Yeah, he's, he's never been beaten in competition. Um, and he's tested positive to banned substances, along with Abdi Okudov, who's my favourite lifter <laughs> of all time. Abdi Okudov's a Russian weightlifter. Um, he's won the world's second at the Olympics, won the world championships once or twice. Yeah, I think once. Last yeah, once. year wasn't him. He came in second. Yeah, once. But yeah. was was silver at the Olympics on a count back on body weight. Um, amazing lifter, along with um, a bunch of other world champion what does this do what does this do I mean this is like Usain Bolt getting popped which has been mentioned before you know oh, not not that there's rumours about him but yep. Asafa Power got busted all these Jamaicans get busted 
What happens if the greatest ever gets busted? What does it do for the sport? What does this do for weightlifting at Ilya Line? Ah, uh, take it like take it like. I mean, everyone will pull it back to the Lance Armstrong yeah. uh, saga. You know, like oh, the the best rider got popped. You know, but you got to see in terms of what he's what what has he done for the sport of weightlifting? He's gotten a lot of people into weightlifting. He's gotten a lot of people interested in weightlifting. You know. Uh, learning more about the sport, pushing themselves to push the envelope in the sport. Mm. You know, um, he himself holds a PhD in weightlifting. Yeah. You know, he himself set up. Uh, I think it's a school, uh, to promote like, like a sports school to promote weightlifting. You know, so I think, I think, yeah, rather than I mean, you know that it's gonna be prevalent in sport. Yeah, it, well, it's the Lance Armstrong effect, just like you said. It's, yeah. it's Ilya Lyon is probably the Lance Armstrong of weightlifting, and he's probably still the best in the world. Yes, but he's let's be honest, he's probably competing against other performance enhanced athletes. Yep, and he's beating them, and he's never been beaten. So it's it's a shame that he has to get to fame like this. But I think I think the 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 thing to understand as well is you know I mean you will never know how much of what they're doing in regards to banned substances. Yeah. So it, it will never be a level playing ground. But considering that he is also still quite genetically gifted for the sport, mm. you know, so it's like, it's like the whole AI argument again, you know, it's like we, we, he, we are at this point where he is, he has the potential to be like that they push the envelope of pushing his potential up even further. Yeah. And that's why he's, he's the become the, the best in the world. Mm. You know? And now, because of that, then things things are starting to appear and now he's got caught. You know? Uh, I don't see that it's, it's a bad thing for the sport as much. I mean, they're trying to send a message out probably and they're trying to, mm. you know, make sure... I think in general... Across all sports, they're trying to keep it as clean as possible now. Yeah. You know, but, you know, being in the sport, you know that. Yeah, it's part of it. It's part it's of part it. It's part of it. It's just a shame, like, um, Lochev with the with the heaviest yes. ever clean and jerky competition, week later, boom. Yeah. Elio Line. Or, I mean, these guys are the heroes of the sport. It's not just the rogue. I mean, Lance Armstrong is the perfect example. He was the hero of all heroes um, worldwide for a number of reasons. But um, yeah, it's just a shame because uh, what do I, you do? I it's- think I think you look at it as well as you know. I mean, you know that okay. More, I don't want to put it that way, but morally, you know, it's not right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because you're trying to give yourself an unfair advantage across your other yeah. opponents. But at the same time, from a spectator view, you know, you 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 it's do a better product. Yeah, you do want to see someone lift a heavy weight. Human potential. You want to yeah, say push as far as you can. Push as far as it can. You know, take a page out of the powerlifters. You know, they they have un, un, non-sentient yep. federations so that they can actually push the envelope to see, all right, these guys can actually lift a ton of, like, like a lot of weight. Yeah. You know, so, so, you know, it's, I think it's just, it's just a, it's just a bummer to see that, you know, while these guys are pushing the envelope and you jolly well know that something's involved, mm. you you still want to bust them. And Yeah. I think it's just about, for me, it's probably just about 
youth and children and stuff. Yeah, it's it, you it's, don't want it, to have your heroes. Yes, it, the, definitely. The way that they got there is they cheated the system. So yeah. that that means the way that I want to get a big house and have lots of money is I want to sell it's drugs. drugs. Yep. You know, it's it's, yep. it's that that's that's obviously what it's all about. I'm the total. I'm the I couldn't agree more that people just want to see the best. It's like the the, the, the mix, biggest lifts. The biggest lifts. Mixed martial arts is the same. Mixed martial arts has got the biggest, uh, the most stringent testing. Apart from this Brock Lesnar thing, it's just come out, but it's <laughs> neither here nor there. But their testing is through the roof now, um, and really stringent because they want to do the same thing. They want to clean up the sport. Um, but at the same time, Joe Rogan, who's the long, long, he is the face of the UFC. Him and Dana White, the voice of the UFC, at least. Even he says, "I think I prefer the enhanced version." You know, because it's such a great area. I mean, these guys are trained as, as as serious athletes. Like, how much do you want their body to go through and their mind to go through without performance enhancing drugs? It's such a grey area. But it's the same as like weightlifting has had this before as well. If you look at look back in the history of weightlifting, there was a period of time I think in the nineteen nineties. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not even. There, but they they changed the weight categories. They wiped out the records you know they yep. go like alright let's start afresh because the drug the the whole drug thing was getting way out of hand people were hitting numbers and doing too much mm. you know uh, getting popped all the time mm. you know so I think it's like as you start to push that oh I want to see the biggest lift and all that and it starts to go really way overboard you know compared to the, the biggest clean and jerk now to what it was 10 years ago mm. That's a huge difference, yeah. you know. And yeah, some records were a little bit long lasting, but you know, at that time it was already, it was already uh, quite a, a yeah. Mm. And I think it's just that point where it's gonna it's gonna do the same, and it go, it's gonna go back to that cycle. Yeah. So I think the next step, if anything's gonna happen, is if they really do wipe out the records and start afresh, right? You're gonna see. All right, this is where it starts building up again, and then maybe twenty years down the yeah. track we're going to get same the same thing. problem again unless we do obviously what the powerlifting system is and that's clean and clean and, and enhanced um, categories but then if you do that you still got cheats in the clean category oh yeah 100% there's yeah. always going to be people that are, that are trying to get the edge and trying to be the number one and not going about the I right mean, way so you see you got to see how the system of that whole drug enhancement works you know I think it's like alright we come up with a product that you just go through what Lance Armstrong went Mm. We come up with a product that at that point of time couldn't be detected, right? Then after that down the road, medical advances allow yeah. or you know allow you to have a system, certain system to be able to test for things like that, mm. you know. So and they retest things now. They yeah, keep and they the re- blood and no, so they keep it for eight years. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they test it originally and they go, all right, if you're clean, we'll keep that aside. Your B sample will be kept till eight years later. Yeah, we might open it up, especially for the top guys, and retest that. So, so basically, you know, anything can happen in eight years. Technology yeah. is advancing even within a year so quickly, you know. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, that we start to see more of these happening. Because I think Ilias was from the 2012. Yeah, I think it was the 2012, 2012 one. So, but I think what sparked it was the IOC wanting to keep the sport clean. So they started testing, like, from the eight-year period and the four-year period. Yeah. And then see how that, yeah, what what they get from that. Mm. So, it's uh, it's just it's a shame. Yeah. yeah, either way, it's oh, it the positive of it is we're gonna see we're gonna see some good lifting still. You know, we're gonna see new not new talent but 
we're going to see how they actually rise from that and what they're going to do. Well, but we're not going to see Ilya Line and Asiokov <laughs> in Rio well, de Janeiro. Yeah, yeah, but we which, still have. We probably still have the Chinese. Yeah. Well, they haven't been. They haven't been. <laughs> well, yeah. We still have the Chinese. Till next week. Yeah, till next week. <laughs> you know, we never know what happens tomorrow anyway. Yeah. So. All right. Well, um, we'll we'll try and um start to wrap it up, Lester. So normally, um, we have six from six. Yep. Which is six rapid fire questions from myself and Tommy. I think um I'll ask Tommy's questions today. So normally. You know, we'll just probably leave them out, but I'll ask them. But we'll start with my question. So, um, first question, short and sharp. Your favorite um, travel destination you've ever been to can be little little town, big uh, can be country, can be anything. Uh, I think the the most, I think the most memorable one would be Barcelona, Beautiful. because that was my first the first time I was in Europe. Yep. I went there not only for like business, but also for travel uh, for Pleasure. holiday. Yeah. You know, so uh, I went there with my wife. We just got married and we treated that as our honeymoon as well. Awesome. So I got the chance to present in a conference, quite a big conference. I got a chance to hang out with my wife, got a chance to experience Europe. So Cool. Yeah. We've had Barcelona before, actually. It's a, it's a popular it's a very, one. Yeah, it's a very nice place. Like, I mean, the culture's different as well. You know, and the food's great. Oh. Yeah, we're always there for the food. So. I've been to Barcelona. Yeah. yeah it's awesome. Yeah. Um, Okay, so similar vein, but um, this is this one's where's your dream destination? Dream destination, I think, would be one of the uh, Eastern European countries. You know, like okay. probably uh, to to experience something different from the European countries that I've been to. Yeah, you know, because I've never been to that side before. Yeah, Czech Republic or yeah. um, where's um, yeah, yeah, Eastern Eastern Bloc's supposed to be amazing. Um, next one is um, three things to keep you sane on a desert island. So you've got food and water, you've got stuff to keep you alive. Okay. Uh, I would say, I would say a uh, barbell. Barbell? Yeah. A barbell. Uh, 100%. 100%. You know, uh, a hammock. Yep. You know, because actually sleeping in a hammock is quite good. I've done that quite a lot in barbell my... Barbell and weight plates, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, let's, of course. Let's, weight let's yeah, yeah, yeah. So weightlifting set. Weightlifting <laughs> set, all right? Weightlifting set. May not need a platform, but, you know. Uh, and I would say my family. It, does that count? Yeah, that'll count. Right, that'll right, count. Cool. Good stuff. Um, and Tommy's questions. Tommy's questions are role model growing up. Do you have anyone you looked up to? Uh, I would say my role model, even to this point, is my dad. Yep. So like uh, he, you know, his the stuff that he's been through, you know, he, like even health wise, he had a brain tumor even like way before he got to know my mom and wow. all that. Uh, and you know, going through life with my mom and uh, you know how he brought up our family and all that. You know, it's basically what I I hopefully can be half of. Yeah. You know, do, you, so. do you get back to Singapore and see your family? Yeah, yes, yes. So we try to go back once a year at least now so yeah. that, you know, the grandparents can kind of see my son and all awesome. that as well. So I'd be stoked, I can imagine. Oh, yeah. Um, what do you like to do in your downtime? In my downtime, uh, I actually like to just sit down and relax and enjoy, like, even just watching my son do stuff, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, now with, my, with a family, you go like, all right, you don't, because I'm always out and about, so I don't have that chance to kind of sit down and actually observe how he, how he thinks or how he moves. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's like one of the more uh, precious things that I, I I keep in in close to me now because you know he's growing so quick. You know, and you want to see how he actually changes. You know, him being able to do puzzles, go like A's here, B's here, C's here, and you start to pick up. Oh, he's actually thinking like that. Yeah. 
And then that's that's actually quite fascinating because you never know how a child thinks. Nah. And being able to see that is just something something very rewarding. Yeah, it'd be a very proud moment to oh, watching yeah, it all course, unfold. Of course, like, especially when he picks up that barbell. Yeah. And you go like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. He moves well. Yeah, and then he doesn't, you don't even need to teach him how to squat and he just goes boom into a perfect squat and you go like, yes. That's my boy. That's my boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tommy's last question is always um, three people that you would take to dinner dead or alive. Dead or alive. Uh, I think the first one would be uh, I I really want to take uh, oh this is a tough one there's so many people that I want to meet you know and, and like sit down and have a chat with mm-hmm. uh, I would say I want to take like the who's it uh, Ruslan's coach you know Ruslan uh, Elbogov that no. super heavyweight guy I don't the okay. the guy that was world champion before uh uh Lokchev. Yeah, I mean the if it, it, it all rings it, it all yeah, rings a bell, but yeah, because um I wanna I wanna pick his brains on like Ruslan's actually a big guy, but he moves really well. Yep. And in like he's he may not be considered a strong guy, but you know, like for his size and his technique, you know, it it'd be good to pick his brain. Yeah, so cool. that's one. Uh, sit down with also Anthony Bourdain. Oh, really? Yeah, so because, big foodie. Yeah, big foodie. You know, yeah, like cool. seeing what, how he actually is able to you know, his experiences all over. I mean, you can watch it on TV. Hearing him talk about it personally and answer the questions you yeah, want, you want yeah. to answer. He's actually got a really um, interesting life story as well. I believe. Yes. I don't know too much about it, but I think he's a recovering heroin addict and, and been yes. through real interesting times and stuff that he's come out on the on the other end of so yes and i think like how he actually you know how he actually now takes his life further from that and you know how he explores or creates that sense of adventure in himself mm. and i think the last one probably probably the guy that invented uh the camera because like I wanted, Charles Nikon? Yes. I wanted to... <laughs> no, no, that's a guess. I, I have no joke. idea. I have no idea, but, you know, because I think the camera is such a big part of our life now, mm. you know, and being able to know what pushed him to invent something like that, what was his purpose for it, yeah. you know, uh, how he got about trying to put it together, you know. It's amazing how many life-changing accomplishments have happened, not life-changing, um, history-changing accomplishments have happened in the lifetime of our great-grandparents through to what's going to be finished in our lifetime, the space of 125 years or whatever. Yep. It's mind-boggling the amount of stuff that's changed the course of history and photography being able to being able to hold on to moments. Yep. My memory is... I hit my head doing a backflip uh, on a dance floor a couple of years ago, an unsuccessful one. Um, and my memory since then, my memory is, it's patchy. It's patchy, you know, and I, and I, I feel like I want to start to write down some of these travel experiences that, yes. I, that I've had. And um, it's actually funny that I, I tell some stories on here because I think of it every, every time, like it's good that I've got that out on yes. and record it because so much stuff that I forget now and to have, yeah, have, I think having photos is just that never-ending memory that you and have. And you got to remember, you know, like we're always putting information into our head, you know, but our brain capacity is only able to like physically take that much unless we really tap into it. Yeah. So for more information to go in, all information needs to go out. 
Yeah. You, know, you start to forget things because you're starting to remember newer things. Yeah. You know, so being able to have something that physically allows you to remember that. An external hard drive of your memories. Yeah, exactly. You know, so so the guy who actually started it all to allow us to take photos and all that, it would be nice to see what he actually, what his purpose was. Yeah. For that. We get a we get a few of those um on the on the dinner table. Not so much the guy that invented photography, but um like Nikola Tesla. Yep. Um, Nikola Tesla would be great because he's obviously. Um, Nikola Tesla was it Tesla I think that had um, was just was writing things down till till the day that he died and like all of his journals and papers and stuff yes. that he had that was things that he was working on that never never oh that might have been Einstein but Nikola Tesla and these kind of figures yeah, in, in history that'd be pretty pretty awesome well that's um, that's pretty much it Lester so before we finish have you got anything you'd like to plug um and then where can people find you alright uh, so if I want to plug I'll probably plug my blog thetradinggeek.net yep. right so uh, I'm starting to get back into writing on it again because I've been like busy and haven't really paid much attention to it yep hoping to put out like a bit more content on it now you can find me on Instagram my handles at Lester H-O-K-W mm-hmm. uh, I put out a lot of like training videos, a lot of ideas that I, as a coach of what I prescribe and what people should be doing as a modern day athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook as well. Uh, if you look for Training Geek, you should be able to find. Uh, if you want to come and work with me one-on-one or even come and have a play or a lift, you can find me at Southeast Strength. We are located in Morabin, Cheltenham. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have a Facebook page, we have an Instagram page as well. Uh, we don't only do weightlifting and powerlifting. We do do strongman. We play around with some conditioning stuff. You know, we just like to have fun. So cool. um, if you're looking for me, just come down and yeah. Cool. That's about it. All right, let's start. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thank and you for having me. It was Tommy, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Tommy sends his regards. Yes. And thanks, guys. That's a wrap. Okay, thanks guys. That was our second show with Lester Ho. Hope you guys liked it. If you did, please leave us a review on iTunes. That would be fantastic. Give us five stars. Don't leave a review if you're going to give us four, three, two, or one. Um, I asked a friend of mine if she could leave us a review. She said the podcast was great. She left a four-star review. Uh, I said, what the fuck did you do that for? So please leave us a five-star review. Um, anyway, guys, if you need anything from the show, any podcast, uh, any um. Any of the information from the show, it will be in the show notes, which will be at www.adventuretravel.com forward slash podcast. Also, join our mailing list there. You won't miss out on anything Adventure Fit Travel or Adventure Fit Radio related. And that's pretty much it. See you next week.